0: So our pastors today are starting a new Sunday sermon series uh, that's going to run for about seven weeks on the parables of Jesus. So today I have the honor of starting that series off uh, to introduce this new series to you. So how about if we pray? Father God, uh, we ask you today to teach us by Holy Spirit. And in these weeks to come, may Holy Spirit be our teacher. We want to learn from your Spirit as we sit at the feet of Jesus. To hear his words once again and we thank you for this in Jesus' name amen. amen praise god i don't know if you realize but there have been hundreds and hundreds of books hundreds and hundreds of sermons preached over the centuries uh, regarding parables the parables of jesus this is an immensely uh, favorite topic of the body of christ all through the centuries uh, which shows you you know that all through the centuries people wanted to know about Jesus' teachings, what he taught us through the parables. So why should today be no different? Why should we be no different today? Um, Let me read to you some quotes about parables. Now, in the back of your sheet here, I wrote them all out because we're not going to have them on the overhead, and so you don't have to take a thousand and one notes. You can just read them all for yourself if you wanted to in reference. Uh, It's very good when the Word of God speaks about the Word of God. So in Luke chapter 8 here, verse 4, It says he spoke by way of a parable. In Luke chapter 5, verse 36, telling them a parable. Mark chapter 3, 23, speaking to them in parables. And Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, and he told them many things in parables. So by the time we get to our next scripture here, we get a little more information. Mark chapter 4, verse 2. He was teaching them many things in parables. So now we get to the point here. Jesus used parables as a means of teaching. Uh, And in Mark chapter 13, verse 28, we hear Jesus telling us, Now learn, Ah, teaching again, learn the parable from the fig tree. So again, this is a a teaching method that Jesus used. Parables are for teaching us. So on your fill in the blanks there, I'm going to do three in a row here. Uh, if you're taking that down. So what type of teaching is this that Jesus used? Well, first of all, and you're first there, a parable is a simple story that is meant to illustrate a profound lesson. A simple story to illustrate a profound lesson. It literally means in English parable, something thrown beside something else. That's what it means. Something thrown behind, beside something else. So it's in other words, a story that brings us something else in a comparison or a contrast. Uh, your second fill in the blank there, a parable is a story that teaches a hidden meaning or lesson to learn. It often teaches an abstract idea or often makes an abstract idea become concrete, okay? And our third here we have is that Jesus often used the parable concept with an earthly story that people could understand to illustrate a heavenly truth. So all those are pretty simple to the point to understand what parables are all about here. Uh, But in all this, we realize that parables put a picture in our mind. And do you realize that you think in pictures? You know, we think, thank you, you, do, you knew that, brother. Here, you know. no, you knew that, that's great. That's right, we think in pictures. We don't think in, in uh, uh, um, uh, anything but pictures. I speak in English, I actually think in English. You think in the language you speak. But in my head, I don't think in English as much as I think in pictures. Right? Um, Hebrew, God doesn't talk Hebrew. We talk Hebrew. God doesn't talk English, we talk English. God doesn't talk in tongues, we talk in tongues. God talks in pictures. It's a whole different topic, but pictures is the language of the Holy Ghost because when you say a picture, it puts something in you that you have that understanding. If I said the word bicycle, you could write volumes of information just on that one word, because pictures are in your mind of what that was like growing up, or you met your wife on a bicycle, I don't know. You all have to say there's all this stuff of a bicycle, means something to you on a very personal level, it puts a picture in you. And um, so it's very important that my P brain cannot understand the infinite. My pea brain cannot understand the the eternal truths. I'm like, how in the world do you describe radar to a person from the Middle Ages? They have nothing in their frame of mind to even compare it to. So how can I understand the infinite, which is beyond me? I have to have pictures. And uh, parables do exactly that. So a parable, it causes people to listen. It sparks their interest, starting with a story, And it's something they want to hear about. They want to hear the end of the story, the continuation of the story. It gets their interest involved. And for those of you who love statistics, I do, in the Old Testament, there are 58 parables. Bet you didn't know that. In the New Testament here, Jesus spoke 38 parables in the Gospels. That's a lot of parables. 38 parables he spoke. So your fourth fill-in-the-blank here is the good news for us Is that by Holy Spirit, Jesus still teaches us now through parables. Holy Spirit illuminates them in our hearts as we read them, as we learn of them, just as his early disciples did. And that's really cool. What in the world can you and I have in common with someone from the first century? Zilch. I don't understand their culture, didn't live their culture, didn't wear their sandals didn't eat their food. Different culture, man. Totally different culture. And yet we have the same thing in common when Jesus' words are spoken to us. Bizarre. Different languages. Bizarre. How cool that is. Now, the Jews in Jesus' day were very familiar with this type of teaching. The rabbis used it all the time. But Jesus with him, it was different. Although these parables are simple, with Jesus, they were very profound because they had Holy Spirit anointing upon them when people heard them. Let's look at, this, look, look at the effect that it had on people when Jesus spoke. In John chapter 7 here, verses 45 to 47, they, they wanted Jesus arrested, they always do. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they, said the, and they said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, never has a man spoken in this way. And of course, the Pharisees are smug. Oh, Pharisees replied to them, so you have you too not been led astray? Have you? They didn't miss the fact that this guy says something and people change. People are affected. So let's look briefly here today at how important these parables were to Jesus the teacher. First of all, on your handout again, you have Matthew chapter uh, 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, He departed from them. Isn't that an odd statement? Here, he's done speaking in parables, and he just walks away and leaves the crowds. No chatting. Or who has questions? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. No, he just walks away, and they're staring at him. And, and, he just walks. Huh? He just walks away from them. Uh, Matthew chapter... 13, verse 10. Here the disciples were curious about this. So the disciples said to him in uh, verse 10, and the disciples came up to him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? They were also a little confused over why he did this. Well, first of all, we need to understand there are two groups of people that Jesus spoke to in parables. One group was the curious crowd mixed in with the unbelievers who rejected him. The other group... Is his own disciples he does not speak to them in the same way in matthew chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 jesus reveals why he spoke that way in parables to the christ rejector. verse 34 all these things jesus spoke to the crowds in parables he did not speak anything to them without a parable this was so that was spoken through the prophet that would be fulfilled I will open my mouth in parables. I will proclaim things hidden since the foundations of the world. If you want to know where that came from, by the way, Jesus is, is, is quoting here, uh, here uh, Psalm 78 verse two. That's Psalm 78 verse two that he's quoting. And if you read the original psalm, it's word a little different, which is very interesting. Um, Because when you look at all the quotes Jesus ever had of the Old Testament, Psalms was number one. He spoke more in Psalms than any other Old Testament book. Second might have been Deuteronomy or Isaiah, but basically it's Psalms he spoke to. So why then when he was done speaking to the crowds, he would just walk away and leave them? Uh, He doesn't get intimate with them as he would his disciples. So at times, uh, the Christ rejectors did get it, and they still rejected him. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 45. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood he was speaking about them in your face. How about that, huh? They weren't dumb. Uh uh-uh. uh. They weren't dumb. They were rejectors of the truth. Now, for the other group, his disciples, he spoke very different. Luke chapter 8, verse 10. This is uh, partial for your memory verse. And he said to them, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, they are told in parables, so that while seeing, they may not see, while hearing, they may not hear. In other words, there's no faith in them to want to hear my words. But this is also spoken to you and me right now. We're his disciples. It's no different for your first century or this century. We're his disciples. To you, to me, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. If Father God does not reveal this to me, I can't know it. My intellect can't figure it out. I can't put two and two together. I figured it out. You can't. It's impossible. Unless God reveals himself to me, I cannot know him. And he has revealed himself to me in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. So to us, you and me, it's been given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That sounds pretty important. I should pay attention. Odd story here, uh, when Jesus is speaking here, of course, to them uh, that didn't really like him uh, or wanted to reject him, Abraham Lincoln did the same thing. I don't know if you knew about Lincoln. Uh, In fact, if you saw the the movie with Daniel Day Lewis, very good representation of Lincoln. Lincoln almost would answer everybody in a story and used to drive them nuts. They used to be aggravated with him. Will you just tell me the answer? Nope, you tell your story first because the story actually gave you the answer and often what they didn't want to hear. Uh, Obviously, Lincoln read the scriptures more than people thought he did. And he was very clever and picked up that same uh, way that Jesus spoke to the unbelieving crowd who are going to be unbelieving to him. That's a trivia question. Who was your only unbaptized president? Answer, Abraham Lincoln. Who, what, what president never belonged to a church? Abraham Lincoln. He didn't believe in organized religion. Isn't that wild? Yet he knew more about the Word of God than most of them ever did. Pretty wild stuff. Okay, anyway, that's free, not important. Um, two more examples here regarding the disciples. Uh, it's on, also on your handout. In Luke chapter 8, verse 9, now his disciples began asking him what this parable meant. Luke chapter 4, verse 33, and many, and with many parables, he was speaking the word to them as they were able to understand it. Wow. Jesus is revealing the word of God is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is revealing the word of God to us when he speaks in parables. And unfortunately, the disciples were dense. They didn't get it. Most of the time, they just didn't get it. But that's that's an important principle here. Neither will we without Holy Spirit. We must come to the word of God believing he reveals himself to me, or we will not get anything. And of course, once the New Testament church started, Holy Spirit pours out his understanding, and they were now remembering all the words he said with understanding. Holy Spirit is the teacher that brings life to these words. Without him, we don't have light. Holy Spirit brings us this light. So if we wanna correctly understand Jesus' words here, when um, we study his parables, we need to ask ourselves the question, who is Jesus speaking to? Very, very important. If he's speaking to the Pharisees, he's going to talk to them very different than if he's speaking to his disciples, than if he's speaking to the crowds. Jesus never had a harsh word for anyone in sin. Never. Only to the Pharisees who claim to know better only to the religious clou- crowd who claimed to know better but wouldn't listen to his words. Only one he had harsh words for. To the sinner, it was always repent, I forgive you, go and sin no more. It was accepting and loving and, and restoration. He never talked that way to the Pharisees and he never talked uh, to the one in sin with harsh words. Amazing. Only to those who claim to know better. So who is he speaking to? You're going to have that, that then bring us understanding of that parable we're reading of who it's spoken to. Now, if these parables are spoken to the disciples, then these are direct teachings to us. So that's why we've got to watch real carefully. If this is to his disciples, he's talking to me. That's a direct teaching to me. Because the disciples are insiders. Often, if you remember the Scriptures, he tells them to be quiet about it and don't repeat it. Come on, Jesus, you've got to be kidding me. No, that's for you to know, not those outside the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? Otherwise, they'll just step all over your words like they're meaningless to you. But if we're in Christ, they're precious to us. Every word means something to me. The it, then, and the means something. Amen. So uh, if these parables are spoken to the crowd, which has in it the Christ rejectors, then they're often exposing um, and being corrective of the sin in men's hearts. If you look at them real carefully, because these people are the outsiders. So there's insiders and outsiders that he talks to and what he says to them in parables is very different so we need to really clue into this i don't take words spoken to the outsider the christ rejector, and apply it to the church i want to know what he's saying to me as a believer because the believers are his church so we see several themes here in jesus's parables uh, many scholars have tried to put this in the categories good for them uh, opinions drastically differ Uh, So let's just look at some of these categories very briefly for us today as we're looking at Jesus' parables. um, In some of them, Jesus portrays himself as if an artist was painting a picture in layers, uh, unveiling himself of who he is. Because the entire Old Testament is an unveiling of who the Messiah is. Eventually, in the beginning, it's very vague. You really don't know, it's very gray. By the time you get to the book of Isaiah, you're going to even know what he looks like. That's an, I know you're going to know what I'm talking about. In Isaiah 53, I'll paraphrase, it basically tells us he's nothing to look at. Isn't that amazing? If he passed by you in the crowd, he'd just be another Jew. There was nothing in the natural that would attract you. <gasps> look, it's Jesus. You would never react like that. Why? Because if you're going to be attracted to him, you have to be attracted by faith then he's beautiful. Only attractive otherwise, he's meaningless. Isn't that an amazing thing? Only by faith am I attracted to Jesus. In fact, artists mean well. I I even have the, the picture myself. If you remember years ago, the Sacred Heart of Jesus picture, if you ever look at that picture, put your hand in front under his nose, and you look at, you're looking at a woman. It's a very effeminate picture for beauty's sake. That's not what he looked like. There was nothing in the natural that made him look attractive. Isn't that a wild thing? I would have to be approached only by faith. So here he's revealing himself in layers of who I really am, who is this Messiah that you've been waiting for for centuries. And some of these others, parables, Jesus uh, reveals the content of men's hearts. They didn't like that. You outside my bedroom window? They didn't like that. In some parables, Jesus reveals what the kingdom of God is like. That's an extremely vague concept, an abstract concept. Jesus, you got to tell me what this means because I'm not sure I get it. He reveals to us the kingdom of God. In some parables, Jesus reveals what the word of God is like. That created a whole different concept that the uh, Pharisees did not understand at all. You're looking at the word of God. I mean, uh, and in some parables, Jesus reveals the plan of the gospel. Um, In some parables, Jesus reveals the future of the nation of Israel. That's important for us to know because we're living in those days, I believe, now. But we consider the end times of the last days. Jesus' words here become very important. In some parables, he clearly shows, and this is a very, very common theme in many of his parables, he shows that the Jews of his day will reject him and that the Gentiles one day will receive him. That's a common theme in many of his parables, which I'm sure upset the Pharisees very much because they weren't stupid. They understood exactly what he was talking about. And also when we read Jesus' parables, we have to remember when Jesus walked the earth before the resurrection, uh, these are Old Testament times, not New Testament times. The New Testament doesn't start until he's at the cross and the veil of the tabernacle is split in half. A new covenant has started. And, of course, ratified by the resurrection. These are Old Testament times. He is an Old Testament Jewish prophet talking to the nation. He started. He is literally Jehovah God in the flesh. It was the God of the Exodus. He's the God of the uh, personal aspect of God all through the Bible. Is standing right before them who made the covenant with them. And they're going to reject him. So he's walking in Old Testament times. Because of him now, he's starting to introduce New Testament realities that were to come, but he spoke them to his disciples, not the the world. So we see here a changing of how God is going to deal with man is going to take place. God no longer is going to govern man by the law, but he's going to govern man by the age of grace that we now live in. You can smile at that. That's good news. (laughs) So all human history is about to change. And Jesus walks as an Old Testament prophet addressing mostly the nation of Israel in Old Testament times. I am your Messiah, but you never saw the Lamb of God, did you? You were waiting for the Lion of Judah. That's my second coming. And that was the big stumbling block for them. So you're going to overthrow Rome, right? No, that's the Lion of Judah. I come as first the Lamb of God. And they didn't see that at all. So there's a lot more here that Jesus reveals to us in his parables. He often teaches us how we should live, how we should conduct our lives, especially our love walk towards Father God, towards one another. Uh, There's many practical issues of life here that are taught by him. Prayer, forgiveness. That's a real popular thing with people. Dealing with anxiety and worry. Giving of finances. Jesus spoke a lot about giving. And people get upset with pastors at churches. Read the Bible. He speaks quite a lot about giving. Because giving reveals the real person inside of you. Did you know that? Did you know medically it has been proven the longest nerve in the human body is from your wallet to your heart? (laughs) Just thought I'd tell you. Probably didn't know that. Anyway, he he speaks a lot about giving, which is surprising. Because obviously under Jewish law, they had to give by compulsion. Where he was looking for the heart of the giver. That's our New Testament revelation. So today here, I'm just trying to attempt to bring a, a brief introduction uh, to a very large, very important topic in Jesus' ministry. Some of our pastors will be highlighting uh, certain sermons uh, from uh, parables in uh, the weeks to come. Not all 38. You can study a whole year on this. Isn't that cool? Really? Isn't that a cool thing? Some churches have done that. I think Pastor Walt spent one time six or seven months on Wednesday nights just on parables. Um, So for some of us uh, here, uh, we'll be presenting other uh, sermons on Wednesday nights uh, on parables to go far more in depth. I have one schedule I'm going to do, but I need 10 hours. I can't do that. So you can see how deep some of these parables become, how much we can glean from them and learn from them. It's absolutely amazing. And just when you think you've learned a lot, you don't know anything. Really, there there was a Methodist pastor in the 1700s. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records that he claimed he read the New Testament 33,000 times in his life and barely scratched the surface. Good for you, brother. How right you are. I'm far, far behind. So we see here also, not to forget, when we read Jesus' parables, you're going to see a lot of figures of speech. This was very popular in first century Middle East. Um, For example, uh, Jesus uses a lot of symbolic language. There's a lot of allegories, metaphors, similes. Um, He wants us to walk away with a picture in our mind so that we would meditate on this long after you heard it, long after you read it. Jesus uses literary techniques like exaggeration. That's odd to some people to hear that. He uses hyperbole. Just a one quick example. I thought of that this morning. People are going to go, what's he talking about? Uh, for example, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, this is not on your screen there. Uh, verses, um, well, it's, it's several. I'll just read two quick ones. Verses 8 and 9. And if your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it away from you. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than having two hands and two feet and be cast into internal fire. Loving Jesus. (laughs) Verse 9, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it away from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the fiery hell. Now, is Jesus telling us here to cut off our feet and eyes? No. Has everyone here sinned by their hands, by their eyes? If the answer is no, we'll have an altar correlator for liars and those deceived. If I sin with my eyes, what time of day is this? I, I fail every day. So is he telling us to cut them off? No. That's called hyperbole and exaggeration. The point he's saying here, whatever those areas of sin could be in your life to tempt you into sin, cut them out of your life no matter what you have to do, no matter how radical you have to be. Get it out okay i understand that i don't know if i like it but i understand that i i've you know talked to many men who are, are trapped in pornography especially men and um okay the computer it's a problem take the computer out of your room put it in your in the living room for everyone to see you stand oh I, I can't do that then you don't want any help you don't want to cut your eye out you don't want any help can't help you uh, I talked to, I mentioned the first service, I talked to a gentleman who was the aftercare director for Keswick here in Whiting uh, for people trying to be free from porn addiction, sexual addiction, drug addiction, etc., alcohol addiction. And I said, Art, he's, he's gone off in other ministry. I said, Art, um, how do you know if you're being successful with these people? He said, they do what they're told. If they don't do what they're told, we can't help them. Leave, you're not serious. There used to be a saying in psychology of all places, it might have even been Freud, which said, when the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change, then you'll change. It's absolutely true. People will put up with a lot of pain before they have to change, before they have to pluck their eye out. So Jesus' words, uh, which I think is a lot better than Freud, uh, was absolutely correct. We have to be radical to get whatever is a source of sin out of our life, whatever it takes. That doesn't mean get rid of your spouse. I know how some people think. So, um, so we see here um, also with these psalms here in the Middle East, because of all the um, figures of speech used, They were meant to be interpreted. That's the point here. So sometimes in the Psalms here, Jesus gives us the interpretation, and sometimes he doesn't. Often his disciples, the insiders, are the only ones who receive the interpretation that he gives. So on your last fill-in-the-blank there, number five, uh, some of of Jesus' parables have single explanations and others have double meanings. Some have single explanations. Others have double meanings. Some of these are complicated. There's more than one teaching at the same time. Uh, one example is Luke chapter 14. Jesus is speaking to his guests coming to a wedding and he teaches them about humility. Then he follows that parable with the wedding hosts and he teaches them about giving and generosity. Two lessons in one setting. Two different things taught. So I guess as we kind of leave today, what I would like you to catch today is that our church is going to be studying parables briefly, and this is going to be an adventure of discovery to go on. It really is. It's an adventure of discovery to get into the parables. People have devoted years of their lives just studying them. So in these next few weeks, uh, we're going to be seeing the mind of Christ revealed to us in his parables. And we should be asking, what will Holy Spirit teach us? You and me. What will the Holy Spirit teach us as we're leaving this church building? But more important, will we listen? Isn't that really always the point of these parables? Will you listen? What, What did Jesus say? I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember exactly. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Did I get that right? I got that right. How about that? How about that? So if Jesus is the master, I want to know what the master would teach me. I want to be his disciple, which means learn one, discipline one. I want to be his his student. I want to listen to the master. Whether I'm a first century disciple or a 21st century disciple, I'm still his disciple. Master, teach me. Let's all walk together in this. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Holy Spirit is still our teacher as he taught the disciples in the first century, as he teaches the disciples in the 21st century. He is still our teacher. As Jesus's words have life in the first century, they have life in the 21st century. Father God, may we discover life through Holy Spirit's teachings of the parables that we'll learn. That Lord God, we would do what Jesus has for us to do and not just talk about it, but live out the new nature that we have now in Christ Jesus in this new testament of grace that we walk in we thank you for this father in jesus name amen